Hello and welcome to Postcards from Antioch, a teaching and equipping podcast from Barton Church. Um, I'm your host today, uh, Nicole, and I am joined with the lovely James, who is going to wow us with uh, some theology about sovereignty and providence. That's well done, Nicole. Thank you. One job and you nailed it. It took me about like three attempts at Mm. practicing it, but I nailed it. Yeah, thank you. So, yeah. So this is the first in sort of three sessions I'm planning to do on this topic. And this first one is going to be an introduction to some of the concepts and thoughts behind these, these terms, sovereignty and providence. And the next two will be a bit more, I don't know if I'd say uh, practical, but be looking at specific things in terms of what some of these things mean for our day-to-day living. And so just to prepare the listener, the, the viewer, should we be expecting some definitive answers and certainty in this uh, episode? Well, uh I think probably you should never expect any of those things from me. Ever. <laughs> yeah, but have I not learned? Yeah, we not. We I not will that. explain. I suppose the problem with this topic. Oh, okay. Yep. By uh, asking first, let's let's think. Okay. So these terms, sovereignty and providence. Now I've already told you. I'm going to ask you how. Yep. How would you define sovereignty and providence? Like so, start with sovereignty. If someone says to you, "Oh, God's sovereignty." Yeah. What kind of understanding so do you have of that? So my understanding of that is obviously very much linked to a sovereign or a king, someone okay, who has yep. control, power, authority over myself um, or, you know, humanity. Yeah. Um, providence, I, I'm i trying to desperately remember the uh, definition that you told me literally about 30 seconds ago. Um, I... Think. What, what do you think? Well, I didn't. I didn't know actually. You there like, was a reason it? why you told me I the had answer. To tell you what um, I was thinking. Yeah, I think providence. I think of God putting things in place for people. Um, you described it much more eloquently well, as something slightly different. To it's that. kind of a little clue. I just, yeah, you just what? I don't know. You what were you going to say? I would say the word providence linked to the word providing. Oh, I see. I guess I think of it in the terms of someone being like, oh, you know, um, I got that job. It must have been Providence. So yeah. God having an yeah. active role. That, that is a way people use that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The, so sovereignty, I think as you've defined, I think when we talk about sovereignty as a the- theological term, we're talking about sort of the degree to which God is in charge and mm. owns and rules everything he created. And I think we and particularly what we're going to be thinking about is what does that actually look like what does it mean for god to be sovereign Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and the same with providence which i understand as god's essential god's continuous care and involvement in what he's Ah, created that's what you said beautifully that's providence so your Mm. example is true you know the fact god has provided this particular job for Mm, me that's god mm -hmm. interacting with the world he's created can you know he doesn't just create and then say i'm done yeah. Let's let's go for a rest forever. Mm. He continues to interact with the world. And these terms, they're huge terms. They have huge implications, I think. The way we understand, because it's essentially, what, how is God in charge of everything? Mm. And what does that look like? And this touches on yeah. I was just gonna say, all these this, topics. So weird, because 
maybe oh my gosh maybe it's providence maybe that we're looking at it because I've, i genuinely had this conversation with several different people in the space of the last couple of okay. months being like well does god genuinely have like a path that i have to yeah. follow or like it does yeah like how much is is god kind of controlling the situation and and yeah, does he know everything that's going to yeah, happen? Excellent. These are so, exactly the questions we're going to be thinking about. I'm very about. excited to go back to so, these people. And, yeah, we're going the to. Well, there's no answers, Nicole. I already told you that. You'll just confuse them even more. But you can share my confusion. Okay. Because mm -hmm. I'm thoroughly confused. Great. And I, we're going to be thinking about some of those specific questions like prayer. I mean, we, we did do a session on mm, guidance. Yeah, didn't I we? remember that. In season one, I think, series one. Uh but we're going to be thinking about prayer. We're going to be thinking about suffering. Those are kind of big questions. Like, like, what, what is prayer? How does it work? What's the point of prayer? If God knows everything, sorry, ask. God's in control of everything anyway. What those kind of questions mm. that we're going to be thinking about those in the next couple of episodes. Okay. Yep. But today we're going to have a kind of broad discussion about those terms and, and raise okay. some of the issues mm -hmm. and in the overview of the different discussions and and the problem i have i've already strongly hinted that if you want someone to say look this is the correct way to understand god's sovereignty or how god interacts with the world you know what it means for free will and all those kind of mm. things you need to find another podcast i'm sure you can because <laughs> the problem i've had is i've done a lot of reading a lot of thinking about all these topics and i I've looked at lots of different views and the way it works is you read something you think of course and they quote bible verses and you say oh that makes yeah of course that's how it works and then you read someone else with a different view and they say something they raise questions and say that view can't work because of this and here's all these bible verses and you say oh yeah and so you're kind of stuck and trying to find i suppose the way i feel is no nothing i've read has presented to me a view of this kind of topic that doesn't raise questions. So just to interject that slightly, so do you think it's wrong to say, for anyone to say, well, I know for certain then, or like my theory no, is correct? I don't think it's wrong at all. Just, I think you're just a bit confused. Yeah, well, or... I'm always confused, Nicole. <laughs> but I think, I think there are things that are, I suppose I've, I've coming to think, well, of course, I think um, it's kind of difficult for us as human beings to okay. say, you know what, I figured out how God works <laughs> and, and, you know, how it all links together. I think that's probably impossible. Yeah. And I Makes think that sense. if you start from that position, it, all you really end up doing is saying, okay, well, I, I, this makes sense. This doesn't make sense. This is what I think, but I, I'm going to be humble about it. Mm, I'm not going to come mm -hmm. from a position of, well, it's clearly this and everyone else, you know, is so wrong. It's embarrassing. Mm. I think if I ever write a book on these topics, I am going to call it, we're all wrong. <laughs> to be fair, I, I, wouldn't, I would enjoy that. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I've read, as I said, I've read a, a book I would recommend. Okay, okay? Yeah. Um, If you can see this on camera. It's a book called Four Views on Divine Providence. Now, it's from a series called mm -hmm. Counterpoints, yeah. which is quite a good series. Have you yeah. heard of... Yeah, I have. They do a whole variety of they four do. views they on... They do. They choose a topic yeah. and they get four or three or two or however many different mm -hmm. theologians from different yeah. views to present their, their argument. Mm -hmm. And then the other people will then criticise 
write an essay yeah. criticize so four views on divine providence uh by zondervan uh, published by zondervan uh Stanley N. Gundry, series editor, Dennis W. Jowers, general editor. This is a good book in the sense that you've got four theologians from different places, play, coming from different places on providence and sovereignty. The two mm. are interconnected. It's really about how does God uh, exercise his sovereignty okay. over the world. Yeah. So how does he provide? How does, how does he work in our lives? Um and you will get a view, and then the other three writers will say, "No, this we'll is wrong because mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. this." So, <coughs> sorry, right? yeah. so it's very balanced then, or it, it sounds what like I enjoy you get about, a, yeah, yeah, I enjoy about it because, and that's precisely what I'm saying. You read a, a, a well-written, persuasive article, mm -hmm. and then someone else asks questions and points out things that perhaps you didn't think of, and and raises contradictions, and I I find that really helpful, but it does leave you in a position where you say well i mean you can read that book and you can choose one of the four views and say mm -hmm. that's the most persuasive for me mm -hmm. um but none of them i would say are bulletproof mm -hmm. or like resolve everything okay and that that's the problem mm -hmm. so so where do you want to take us then with yeah with how do we yeah how do we I, start i with thought that? i would begin by just sort of highlighting perhaps uh a scale almost of where how we're going to look at this like how people understand sovereignty mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and providence and bearing in mind we'll probably all be somewhere on the on a scale mm -hmm. of how we understand so on one end of the scale you might have uh the view that everything that happens is directly caused by god Ev everything. everything yeah okay. so you uh coughing back there yeah that's god yeah i don't know if they they might it's difficult to know how far they would okay. go with that but yes uh maybe you know, um the view would be yeah everything is caused by god so mm -hmm. uh us being here today being here today is caused by god yeah every decision you make kind of is oh wow is caused by the well this is where it's difficult because when you talk about this it sounds like oh we're all just robots mm. and so on but actually this is the reformed position and and can i just clarify we're talking about like specifically caused by not that god knows what's going to happen but that god is behind it yes in, that's right for, exactly enforcing it so the 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 westminster confession are you familiar with the westminster i'm not confession? actually no. no okay so in 1646 uh the reformed it's a reformed statement of faith yeah, yeah. essentially from formed in westminster in london mm, makes sense. uh and it's um i think it's outlines the reform position like anyone who would call themselves oh i'm reformed so mm -hmm. calvin this loose would hold up the westminster confession of faith as being mm -hmm. you know this is a good document mm -hmm. so the the position in the westminster confession of faith the, the first the first point of the third mm. article i think is and i've got it here i'll read it out okay so okay. god from all eternity mm -hmm. did by most the most wise and holy counsel of his own will freely and unchangeably ordain whatsoever mm -hmm. comes to pass mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. so that's the view that god of his own will freely and unchangeably mm -hmm. ordains everything that comes to pass but they they add this next but yet so as thereby neither is god the author of sin nor is mm -hmm. violence offered mm -hmm. to the will of the creatures 
nor is the liberty or contingency of second causes taken away, but rather established. Right. So that's a kind of wordy way of saying, look, God causes everything, but he does so in some way where he's not the responsible for he's sin. He's not creating evil. He's not violating your responsibility for your decisions. Okay. Mm -hmm. Even though he is controlling you, he does it in some way that means you are still responsible for your decisions. Right. That logic. Uh, yes. Makes complete sense to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the this problem. Is hard. It yeah. is hard. Because, and it's kind of in a sense, it it's kind of where you have to end up in, I think, talking about this topic. As I said, is you can say, right, I think God does this. Mm. And someone will say, well, what about this thing? What about this verse in the Bible? And all you can really say is, well, I don't know how it works, but I think, <laughs> I think he does this. So the, the, the position here is that God causes everything. So good and bad. Floods, earthquakes, God does it. Okay. You know, Okay. that's kind of, and and, I, and although some people may say, oh, I don't know about that, that's the reformed position. Mm, that's mm -hmm. where you end up. And this is why I talk about a scale. Yeah. Because there'd be people who might say, well, I'm reformed, but would not hold. Yeah, balk at the idea of and when, saying, well, God caused the tsunami on Boxing Day back in 2000 <laughs> or whenever it was or something like that. And, and just to clarify, when you talk about the reformed position, do you mean all of Protestantism? Like, because obviously we talk about the yeah. Reformation, we talk about the rise of Protestantism. So I would say no, because there are a lot of Protestant So it's a specific positions. position within Protestantism. Yeah, it's, it has its roots in the the, ref, the founders of the Reformation, yeah. like Calvin Covenant, and Luther, Luther and, and so on. Cool. So if you have that at one extreme, you could mm -hmm. go to the other extreme and say, the other extreme is God causes nothing. That he kind of created the world and, he just and hands back. off and lets it run like a watch which is a position we call deism. Can can I ask a question about that? You can that? ask a question. How do you how how do you how do you hold that position and read the Bible? Exactly. So oh, okay, this is right. a, You're this not going to be holding it as yeah. a, we should I would all... say although that seems like the logical opposition to yeah. that view, God causes nothing. I don't think that's reasonably a Christian view. No, because the message of the view is interfering. The message of the Bible is that God, sorry. <laughs> God gets in our business. God, <laughs> God, God, God is involved. So I would dismiss deism as a Christian position. Okay. I don't mean mm -hmm. to offend any of our deist listeners. I'm sure there are many of us. Yes. Yeah. And equally, another view I would want to kind of push aside and not deal with is um, dualism. Okay. Which are you familiar with? I'm thinking that? of Gnosticism now, but okay. I'm guessing it's slightly uh, different. There, there's traces of dualism in, in... Some, some forms of Gnosticism, yeah, yeah. But the idea that essentially there are two powers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And, you know, God is at war essentially with... And it's... Yeah. Sorry, I, I keep interrupting. No, I that's say, fine. Is, isn't it more the, the kind of the spiritual versus the natural world? Is okay. often where it Yeah, absolutely. You can You can use dualism to refer to yeah that kind of dichotomy that. yes but i'm using it to refer to the idea that there are two there's god and another power say the devil oh i see yeah. okay so I'm there are you. dual okay. powers and the problem is you know god's will is not always done because obviously the devil is fighting against mm, him mm -hmm, and that mm -hmm. sounds like it might be a christian position mm. but the problem is the bible is very clear that god has no equal yeah. Okay. So yeah. the idea that the devil is 
equal to God, an equal force mm-hmm. in this world is difficult to defend from the Bible. Okay, that makes so, sense. Yep. We'll Where so I'll just mention those. <laughs> just think about, move them out of the way. So we've okay. got a view that God causes everything and perhaps the other view we want, the other end, the other extreme we might want to take is, or if you could call it an extreme, if you could call either of these an extreme, uh, is the view that God, well, God, no, we believe God created the world and interacts with the world. Mm. And as, as a Christian position, we believe God sent his son to die for us, all those kind of Christian positions, but that God limits his direct control of the world in some way, mm, okay. that he is sovereign. Yes, but he limits his sovereignty through his own choice. Right. That was going to say again, that's yeah. the key bit there, that he is not limited. Yes, he ad- exactly. limits himself. So, and this view is associated with a school of thought called open theism. Okay. So I don't know if you've heard of open theism. Um, it's come up, but I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't define so it for So open theism, you, broadly speaking, and again, within open theism, there's probably different schools of emphasis but the idea god is you know as you'd read it's a christian position god is sovereign he has an ultimate purpose but he does not have like a step-by-step blueprint for how things oh, gonna yeah. go yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and he reacts to what he's created yeah so god does not necessarily cause everything he reacts to what we do and what happens in the world okay and you look like I've you've got, got a question. question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, let, I'll finish the definition. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and love, you know, love requires us to freely choose mm-hmm. God. So therefore, we, if for it to be a loving, to be real love, we have to be able to freely choose God without His interference. Mm-hmm. So we have free will to the extent that uh, we can choose to respond to God or not. And sort of the. I don't know if this is a, you know, every open theist believes this or holds this position, but it's a common kind of view you find in open theism. But this extends, God's limit of his uh, power extends to the point that he does not know what you are going to choose or do. Because if he knew, it would take away your freedom to make the opposite Mm -hmm. choice, Mm -hmm. in a sense. And this is is one of the problems with this topic. Philosophy. We're going to no, get into a lot of philosophy, like so bad, you know, first causes, second causes, all those kind of things. We're probably not going to do much about that <laughs> or talk about that, but that's kind of mm. a a view of you. Like you've got the reform position, which I might refer to as the deterministic position, not as a kind of it a negative but just because the view is that god determines, determines everything, everything. Mm-hmm. and to what you say may, may say the open theism view is that god has an agenda and an ultimate destination but beyond that uh okay because that was my yes. question so when we talk about yeah. god not knowing can we still hold to say some of the events maybe that are talked about in revelation or you know that jesus talks about the, the final judgment death being completely defeated satan obviously being completely yeah, um, so defeated. open theism would say yes, absolutely. That is a that, set. That's yeah. set. Okay. But the question is, how how does that come? How about? do we get there? Yeah, how do we get the there? The journey is so, uh, open. It's kind of, and I don't know, an image that might be helpful is imagine imagine uh, God as a chess master mm-hmm, playing mm-hmm. chess, and he wins every game. And the question is, does he win every game because he's actually playing both sides, or does he win every game? 
because he's a master chess player and he can respond to whatever move his opponent. Oh my gosh, I love that illustration. Yeah. That's so interesting. So, and this is a question. And when you put it like that, if you're like me, you probably think, well, one of those sounds more attractive. Yeah, or 100%. More like yeah. biblical, you might say. But that's another problem I must mention is the <laughs> tendency in ourselves to take our position and say, well, that's biblical. Yeah. To sort of start from the position that, Start from what the place that our position is biblical and therefore any other position isn't biblical. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the mm -hmm. problem is with this, as we will discover, is that the Bible says so many different things mm -hmm. about this, these kind of ideas yeah. that, that there's a reason why in you, when you read a book like Four Views on Divine Providence, they there all quote are, the there Bible. Are four views. Yeah, yeah. And they all have biblical evidence yep. to back up yep. their position. So that's... So... You know, those two extremes, and I'm going to assume that as a Christian, as in believing Jesus is the Son of God who came, died for our sins, rose from the dead, all those kind of mm. core values, you'll probably fall somewhere along that spectrum. Okay, Maybe yeah. more in one camp than the other, depending mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. your theology, your tradition, how you read the Bible. But kind of, I would say that's kind of the, the spectrum of Christian ideas. But of course, the problem is... Again, you'll read people who say, well, as I was kind of saying, well, that's not a Christian view. Your view, open theism isn't Christian or determinism yeah. isn't Christian mm -hmm. because of this or that. But I am being generous, I suppose, hospitable in terms of allowing this room. And then this is part of my problem. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I will mention another view just out of interest okay. um, because it's one of the views from this book it's quite an interesting idea yeah called uh we probably won't talk much about it but we'll mention it because it's a third this chess master analogy it brings right. in a third one it's the view of molinism i don't know if you've heard i have of, not had no molinism. i hadn't really until i'd read this book it's molinism so M-O-L-I-N-I-S-M. So it's a view from the, uh, the 16th century. Oh, is it from a guy called Molin or something? Is Mol that why it's... Moliner, yeah. yeah a okay. Jesuit, Louis de Moliner, I think, um, in the 16th century. So around mm. exactly the same time, and he was a Jesuit, so it would have been exactly the same time you had mm, Luther mm -hmm. and Calvin talking about these exact things. So I imagine, I don't know for certain, but it's probably a Roman Catholic response well, yeah, I guess questions. he's Jesuit, yeah. yeah. That's right. And his 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 view depends on what we call uh, counterfactuals. This is where it's a bit philosophical, but it's fairly straightforward. Okay. Let me, are <laughs> you ready for this? Okay, with, Nicole. Hit me with your philosophy. Here is the question. If you flew to the moon and landed on this the moon, is, okay, yeah, yeah. and you stepped out of the lunar module, would you walk left or right or straight on? from the lunar module probably straight okay well that's good but you don't know for certain but no, no. <laughs> yeah and the point is does god know already where you'd where you yeah work? so this okay. is this is the question yeah and this is a counterfactual it's does god know counterfactuals does he know things you haven't done Oh, I see. Yes, yeah. because I haven't done it until it, I get there. There might and be the, a nice shiny rock exactly, over to the left. Exactly. We didn't or, know that until I got there. What if you never go to the moon? Do, would God still know whether you were going <laughs> to walk out? That's the question. <laughs> would he know? Would he would know he if know? it never happened? If, so, if it never happened. Yeah, I mean, let's be yeah, honest, that's it's, right. it's not going to. It, it might not. Yeah, um, so does God still know even though you 
will probably never go to the moon. That's the question. How oh, can you take that like? I suppose you can just keep taking that to more and more I, extremes, yeah. can't so, you? Like, I mean, there's an interesting, there's a view, like, well, there's a story in the Bible. This is the other thing, is when you get into this, there's all these kind of stories that you may not know in the Bible mm. that throw up all these questions. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. there's a story in um, 1 Samuel 23. Mm. If you, 1 Samuel 23 is a two stories about David. He's running for his life from Saul, and he's hiding out. And there are two stories the back to back about him sort of seeking advice about something one's about um whether or not he should go to and uh attack a, a group of bandits or so on but the the second story is the one i'm thinking about where uh he's hiding in a place called oh, i think it's kayla c k a i l a h maybe kayla city mm -hmm. don't know it's in 1 samuel 23 you can go and check yourself and Saul hears he's hiding, so he gathers an army to go and get David. Mm. And David summons the priest who's got the ephod, which in the Old Testament was a way of seeking God's will. Yeah. It, am I right in thinking slightly like divination? Yeah, like I think stones you, yeah. and, and so And he asks the priest, you know, and use the ephod. Tell me, if Saul comes, will the elders of this city hand me over to him? Mm -hmm. And the answer comes back, yes, they will. So David leaves the city, thinks, I'm not safe here. And when Saul hears that David's left the city, he doesn't go down to the city because David's gone. Right. So this is an example of a counterfactual biblical story, God knowing yeah. a counterfactual. He knew what would happen if Saul went down. That right. He, but in the end, Saul didn't go down. Yeah, okay. Are you yep. following me? Yep, I am following you. Okay. Yep. Oh, my. Well, how long have we got? to record i actually have no idea when we started don't either. worry we'll just keep going. going so molinism mm -hmm. is this view now i'll speak to you in a language you might be able to understand Excellent. you know Small words. you're a fan of the marvel films oh right? my gosh yeah yeah so in the infinity war is that one of them yeah, the, yeah. the first one do you oh, remember that yeah. bit where dr strange is looking into all the different yeah, futures yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and trying to find one where they beat thanos and it's like one yeah so Molinism is essentially, uh, again, apologies to Molinists out there for bit sort of you are Doctor trying Strange, to dumb down using the time your, stone. Your, um, <laughs> your, the, the Molinist the, the theology. It's like that. Before okay. God created the world, he, using his foreknowledge, mm -hmm. looked at every possible world that could be created and everything that every human being would choose oh because he knows counterfactuals, he knows what people would choose even if it never comes to pass. Okay. And then he ch ended up choosing and creating the one world where his will is done in everything. Right. Do you follow that? Yeah. So God foresaw every possibility and chose to just create the one possible, make real the one possibility where his will is done. So by that logic, our, just to make sure I've understood yeah. this, our actions are our own. But God has chosen exactly because there are infinite yeah, possibilities. Yeah, God is the cause of, going... of everything because right. He's chosen how everything's going to work out. But at the same time, we're still making all the choices and the free. So... Yeah, I've actually heard um, the. Sorry, this is a slight tangent, no, but the fine. predestination described to me in a similar way. Actually, yeah, that okay. God could look into the infinite lives of who would live saw the people who would out of their own free will say yes, yes. and therefore was like oh okay well i'll predestine I'll choose those, them. those yeah, people exactly yeah okay. i've had a similar argument i think many years ago and mm. that's essentially the 
behind modernism. Okay, so yeah. that is an attempt to balance both things. Yeah, yeah you, you've okay. got you've got God is sovereign; He has determined everything. But the, here's a concrete way in which He hasn't violated our free will, mm. and so on. So that's another modernism. Yeah, somewhere on the spectrum. Um, it's uh, yeah. So it, it's mentioned in this book uh mm. <laughs> i mean there's right. just so many aren't there I think yeah. just, it does kind of blow your mind and a bit that's just yeah and i'm so somewhat so you can sort of fiddle around with all of those and and think well which of those seem seems reasonable mm. mm-hmm. and then i think all you're kind of left with is questions about <laughs> how all these things all work together and what does it mean? Because one of the issues is we have uh, lots of biblical well, yeah, verses gonna... that, that apparently straightly contradict yeah. one or another of those positions. Yeah. I mean, I've just got so many questions about the biblical basis for... Yeah. all of those actually yeah. but i mean perhaps maybe it'd be better to be led by then by you are you going to take us through a couple of like um of the bible bits well or? i've got plenty like i've got loads of verses um here mm. so i and i think one of the the problems is um as i say the the, the scripture champions both divine sovereignty and human responsibility yes yes so it does how do you make that work i think it's fair to say that that wh- wherever the line is for as i think this is a few raised by one of the people in the divine providence book is you can argue like well doesn't this view violate our you know if god determines everything how can he blame how can he hold yeah, me responsible yeah, completely. for sin one of the the lines is well, however you understand it scripture suggests that wherever the line is mm we're over it in terms of responsibility, responsibility. Okay. yeah wherever the line is we so we have crossed it basically we cannot use determinism to to argue that i can yeah and do this is I the, like. yes and this is the this is kind of the the reality of the deterministic view the the westminster confession statement mm-hmm. is you have to say god freely of his own will or causes everything that happens to come to pass mm-hmm. but we don't know how he does it without violating you know our responsibility yeah okay without them becoming the core the first cause behind all of our actions yeah without being responsible for sin mm-hmm. like because obviously if god causes it did he cause the fall yeah exactly it it's very yeah, difficult completely. i mean in terms of logically god is therefore the author of sin and this is kind of one of the arguments that the open theists make is that there's no way to hold the deterministic position without ending up making God responsible for everything. All you've got is, well, I don't know how he does it, but he does it in a way without viola- without being the author of sin. Yeah, there's no which is, suggestion of yeah, how. Which is, as I said, I think that's a fair enough position. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. then you, can, you have to take that. But like the open theist could say, well, I think God uh, gives us total and utter freedom and respects our free will. But he does it in a way without violating his sovereignty. You just flip it, flip the argument, if you see. Oh, I and, see. And, yes. And okay. You can't really. You can't win, yeah, basically. Yeah. 
This is the issue. You know, if you're going to rely on inscrutability, God's inscrutability as a as a defence for your position, you have to allow your your opponents to be able to say, "Well, I don't know how it works, but it does." Okay, right. So, so okay. Nicole, <laughs> my gosh, I have so much to think about here that my brain is is exploding. Oh yeah, maybe we should look at some some of these verses. Oh, okay. Will that help? Will that will yeah, that make them know. any less explosive? I don't know. Okay. And then hit for me example, with my... right here are some some of the questions. So, for example, running. you've got verse 40, Isaiah forty-five, verse seven. This is a a reasonably well-known verse, I would say. Can't in find terms Isaiah; of, it's going well, isn't it? That's right. Uh, got, yep. Isaiah forty-five, verse seven. Forty-five. So this is a verse that sort of the determinist, the the reform position would look at and say, "Well, here you go, black and white." Okay. Uh, black and white determinist view. Ah, oh, okay, yeah. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. Yeah, so exactly. So there you mm. go. The Bible says God creates light and darkness. Um, so, yeah, problem solved. Mm. But of course, there are other verses where that, that challenge the, the determinacy, like mm. another random Exodus 32, 14. That's... No, it's not random. I'm not randomly picked a verse. Uh, just one um, from my list. Just uh, then, the Lord relented, and He did not bring on His people the disaster He had threatened. Yeah. So, so again, a similar. It's a, it doesn't necessarily seem directly related, but the idea is that God relented. God changed His mind. And we see this with. I mean, I've read this various different interpretations, but in a, a plain reading of Sodom and Gomorrah, exactly. You know, yeah, God. Uh, dialoguing with Abraham and yeah. actually, you know, appearing to be flexible. amenable. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. And we'll probably we'll think a bit more about that when we when we look at prayer. Yeah, the future session. But yeah, exactly. This is the issue. You've got verses where it seems like, look, God, I control everything, mm. good and bad. It's all from me. And you've got verses that seem to imply, well, God changes response to God hasn't, you know, necessarily freely and unchangeably ordained whatsoever comes to pass mm. because he repented, he repents, he relents. Genesis 6 is another one where it says God repented of the fact he'd made humanity. Yes. Yeah. But he, you know, he, so the open theist would then be able to look at those and say, well, there you go. God is reacting to what he's created and, mm. and responding. Um, mm. Yeah. Uh, so, so going back to our chess yeah. and master analogy, I just remembered. Just sorry for it's very unprofessional to go back to Molinism at this point. We love Molinism. If you have the the kind of does God win because he controls both sides, mm. or God does win does God win because he can respond to whatever moves he played against him? The Molinist view is kind of God wins because he he's, can foresee. He's seen yeah, he can move. foresee the moves that are coming against okay, him. Okay, yep. Mm -hmm. So you can see how, I mean, it's, I think it's, I, I don't know if any of the the diehard adherents to these views would appreciate that analogy. <laughs> being, it's inadequate in many ways, but like, this is the question is, how does, how does it, how does God win the chess match? Mm. What, which of his qualities, is it his control and his power? Is it his foreknowledge? Or is it his um, infinite intelligence? Yeah, okay. That is the dominating characteristic in terms of how he interacts with the world. Mm -hmm. That's really, I think, what it comes down to is what 
is the characteristic of the world of God that you think well that that, that is a defining characteristic in how he relates mm. can I throw one in there yeah a characteristic because yeah. I noticed what you haven't talked about is God's um, emotional attachment to the world because that's what okay. hits yeah. me actually with some of this yeah God repents like he grieves over sin yeah and I think it's really interesting I mean this is a bit of a tangent but it's really interesting that I guess no matter which of those views you hold God is not a robot like in terms of when you said infinite intelligence that makes me think oh well God knows so therefore there's a kind of like a cold logic but actually what we see is him really lamenting over time yeah, for sin he... even if he knew it was going to happen like it doesn't change that fact yeah. I guess he he loves what he's creating yeah and and I think that's, in a sense, this is open theists would say, well, obviously, love is the defining yeah, characteristic that, of God. Yeah, that's the defining sense. characteristic of our worldview. Mm. God does not force himself on us. Love must be freely chosen for it yeah. to be love. Like if the the Gregory Boyd, whose view uh, writes for open theist argument in here, paints a picture of um, uh, if you've got a microchip in your head mm. which commands you to love someone, you is it free them. love? Yeah. yeah. Is it really love? Kind of thing. I think I've come across Boyd before, actually. Yeah. Jerry Boyd's quite a famous. Uh, in fact, I lend you one of his books. Well, He's God why. to Blame. He wrote that. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I'll be mentioning that book when we talk, I think, particularly about prayer. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Book, yeah. I, I really like that book. Um, even that, you know, I don't just to clarify, um, you can read people's books without necessarily agreeing with everything they say. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred <laughs> I don't want anyone to say, oh, James is an open theist then. Um, that's not necessarily... I, as I said, I think all of the views I'm reading have questions. Um, mm. Yeah. Were yeah. you about to... Well, I was just going to say, I think... Um, I just... I think it's a point you've already made before. I just think it's worth labouring in terms of the idea of it's not anti-Christian to think about this and to yeah, and, or anti-biblical because actually some of the conversations I was having with people was like, oh my gosh, did you hear this kind of heretical view yeah. that God might not know exactly what I'm going yeah. to do? And they could not, I mean, not that I'm particular, I'm in no way would be able to present a compelling yeah. argument in the way that you've presented it. But, um, uh, you know, they were quite taken aback by, oh, like, yeah. you know, a... Uh, it's not a radical, heretical view necessarily. No. This is, yeah, again, this is the, the problem um, I find is that it's very easy to come at it when saying, well, like, well, this is right. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. this view is actually such a threat that it must be a heresy, even though mm -hmm. Gregory Boyd clearly believes in the authority of Scripture, the, yeah. the, work, the same work of, of Christ, as do the um, people from the other... Uh, Paul Cross Helseth. <laughs> oh God, I met him. Sorry, I've murdered, massacred name. his name. But who comes from the strong reformed Formed position? position. Mm. Again, he's arguing from the position. No, well, of course, you know, Jesus died to save us all. This, mm. all, and I think this is the thing: is you, um, you kind of need to be free to have these discussions without being worried about being stoned or burnt at stake. <laughs> um because we we can sometimes do that but yeah i suppose it comes down to what as i was, we were saying what are the kind of defining characteristics of how god interacts with the world so like one of the criticisms and i think this is a fair criticism one of the criticisms the reform position might 
does throw out open theism is well you're clearly influenced by cultural voices oh, 100%. about you know the important individual freedom, freedom mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. Mean, you know your rights to choose and not to have anything taken away from you and i think that's a fair argument and it, it is does seem to be very much individualistic like there's yeah you don't get this kind of idea that my actions as an individual have implications for like the community yes, i guess exactly. which is actually very biblical you yeah see israel yeah i think a, community um, um i'm sure there are many open theists who would have something to say on that okay, matter yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but um absolutely and i think it's a fair question like well because one of the reasons why in myself i find some of the things gregory boyd writes sound yeah that's that's Sounds good attractive it's because it does resonate with mm. the voices you know you grow yeah. up with in in a west a liberal western democracy yeah. but um at the same time, and I, this is a thought I had, is I also say, well, yes, but is it probably not fair to say that like Luther and Calvin were all f- also influenced by their culture and their view of sovereignty mm-hmm. and how it's exercised mm-hmm. may have been influenced by the way um, the kings and rulers, yeah. Charles V and Francis of France... Francis of France. Francis, Francis of France. Francis the first king of France. Henry the eighth. Yeah. You know, the king is the head of the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do the kings do, do how do they do things in the fifteenth and sixteenth century? Well, they they did things by threat of force. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, how did they exercise the sovereignty? By killing people who didn't agree with them. Yeah. And so is it not fair to ask whether that influenced the reformers in their terms of their understanding of how God exercises his sovereignty? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, their kings marched big armies and took what they wanted by force. Yeah, and this, this feudal system as well, I guess, with exactly. everyone having yeah, someone everyone who... Yeah, having their place. Yeah. yeah. And they've been someone above them. Above or, them. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a fair question to to say, yep, op- is open, how much is open theism influenced by modern cultural values? Mm-hmm. But again, I think, well, we can ask the same question. How much is the reform position influenced by the values of medieval yeah. Europe, yeah. Renaissance Europe? Um, which is, again, just makes it difficult. But then where it? do, you, yeah, where do yeah. you end? Because if we're all... Because if you're all... essentially saying that, you know, the waters are mudded. Mm-hmm. Whoever you are, the waters are mudded. We're influenced by... We've got lenses. Mm-hmm. We talked about this earlier when we were talking about the um, liberation theology. That's literally what I was just yeah. thinking. Is your it's, your experience and your is the lens it, through it which you read the Bible you and understand it. God? Yeah, yeah. And um, and I and I guess and perhaps this is more what you'll then look into in the next two. But I guess the point is is that this probably does influence to some extent, the way that we live out our Christian faith. Absolutely. Like the way maybe we do mission or we don't yeah, do mission. Absolutely. Or, I don't know, the way that we make flippant comments like, oh, that job offer was providence. Yeah. Or someone like me might be a bit sceptical and think, was it really? Yeah, yeah. Like how much was God's, you know? Exactly. I think absolutely. Because. I think this is the, the issue is we're talking about um, concepts here. Mm. But they do, the the way we view God's sovereignty will influence how we live. Yeah. And I think particularly prayer is a good one. Like mm. if God determines everything and his mind, he's unchangeable and he knows everything before, why 
what is the point what of prayer? is the point yeah why would i pray or why do i so if you know maybe so your view of god might have a direct impact on whether you feel like your prayer life mm -hmm. is worth it or going anywhere uh, and, and same with suffering. Suffering I think, is like, the other If you see God and yep. see that as being preordained or like God choosing you yep. to go through that suffering, I mean, yes, obviously we can. Or uh, causing, directly yes. causing that suffering. Like, and, right. and, and uh, yeah, I guess you're going to look at this, but that can give or has the potential to give a very harsh discipline disciplinarian view of God. Yeah. Um, Which will tyrant, affect, I guess. yeah, which will affect different you're, which is a huge implication your of... worship yeah. all kinds of things it's different i mean i've got so like oh <laughs> i'm just gonna throw out some more things okay, yeah, right? we're not it. necessarily gonna land anywhere so for example here's a question right an intellectual exercise can god create a square circle right exactly yeah i'm gonna go with it's he limited has he limited himself by creating a universe in which circles there is around natural... yes yeah. there isn't yeah I want yeah. to say yes, but, yeah. but it's, exactly. it's, that's that, not the point, is that, it? The question, no. It's the question. Uh, or what about this one? Here's one. Uh, can God flood the earth? Yeah, I want to say yes, but... But, there is a big but. Because he's promised not he's to. He's promised not to in Genesis. What? So does has he limited his sovereignty yeah, by, by promising, promising not to do something? Because he's destroy the whole world in that way. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of question is, and then then has God limited himself? Has he damaged his sovereignty? And of course, we won't say, well, no, we don't think he has. Um, but it yeah. raises these questions of, well, well, how then can you not, how maybe you don't know God has put other limits on himself and he's, yeah. and we don't know them. I guess the one I always go to is, is like, God, could God commit an evil act? Like Jesus, yeah. for example. Yes could he have murdered someone like yeah. you know that's not even god like indirectly causing sin or like do you know like yeah. was it actually possible for jesus or god yeah is it is it possible to for him to commit a sin in that way like it doesn't that go against his nature like that's i think tied into it as well in terms of his sovereignty and his character Absolutely. yeah yeah well, know, just... we're all just throwing and oh, like stressful. there are there are verses like one of the images that paul hmm comes back to that i like a, a pauline image um i won't get to read out the verses but they're in 1 corinthians 3 9 2 corinthians 5 20 mm -hmm. the verse 2 verses chapter 6 and 2 timothy 2 3 and 4 he talks about us as being fellow workers god's yeah. co-workers yep mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that implies some sort of uh interaction like mm -hmm. would if I was painting a house, would I say my paintbrush is a co-worker? <laughs> would I describe it that way? But the, mm. in the determinist view, you and I are, yeah. are paintbrushes. Uh, but I was going to say, but and rightly, like not unbiblically so, because Paul also talks about that we are the we are potter the lumps and of the clay, clay, and exactly. that how dare the clay say yeah, to the potter, "You've created me this yeah. way." Well, I mean, I'm well, obviously for what purpose? Yeah, we've been created for different purposes. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Paul, I think I feel like Paul obviously had. Some kind Some, of idea? Yeah, or? Paul had an idea. I don't think he just, you know, felt like today he was an open yeah, theist, yeah. today he mm -hmm. was a determinist. I think he obviously had some kind of idea of how it all worked together in his head. Mm. But again, there is an element in Judaism of being okay with not being able to resolve mm -hmm. the issues, which I think we struggle with in sort yeah. of the Western yeah. logical tradition. 
we and this is one of the problems with looking at this is there's you end up unable to answer questions mm -hmm. and that threatens your sort of peace in holding a view mm -hmm. um another another on the image of co co-workers an, an interesting idea i read in a, a book mike heiser i don't know if you read that dan no. was talking about his book uh the unseen oh, yes i know which world, one you mean the unseen mm -hmm. realm oh, God. he he now he said he wasn't writing on providence and sovereignty but as an aside talking he's talking about the supernatural yeah. worldview of the bible and as an aside he mentions he talks about free will as being mm -hmm. a key component of being made in the image of god mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that we have been we're his representatives on this world his image and as a result we we are free mm -hmm. to act and he there's an interesting story again another one of these weird old testament stories in um 1 kings 22 i think it is where ahab or oh, it's the story of ahab deciding should i go to war with this place and all the prophets say yes yes you will have success and then then one of the other kings the king of um, judah says well i can't remember his name says oh is there another prophet we can ask and i think it's uh is it micah have I, have I got... I'm not going to be able to say it out of my head. I think... Micaiah, yeah. I was going to say Micah's late. Mac but... Micaiah, the prophet, comes along and he prophesies and says, no, yes, everything's going to be fine. And they say, are you sure? And he says, no, no, you're going to die if you go to war against these people. And mm -hmm. Ahab has a strop. But Micaiah sort of says, look, this is what happened. God said, how, I w how can a I get Ahab to declare war and go down to this place where he will be killed? And then a spirit comes and says, I will put a, I'll deceive the prophets and they'll give them a false prophecy. And God says, okay, we'll go with that. Mm. And Heiser kind of raises this image of this is how it works. God has an idea. God has a goal. Mm -hmm. He wants Ahab to go to his death. Mm. But he says to his council, how shall we do this? And he presents that as kind of an image of how God works with us, that God has it right we're going to redeem the world and then he looks at you and i and says how should we how yeah, should we do this yeah. and he's open to our input if you like mm. to our suggestions which is another uh again i don't think heiser would put his hand up and say oh i'm you know an open theist or i'm a determinist mm, mm. but just oh. <laughs> two beta three That's nine so much. you know god is not slow to act as some of you understand slowness but he's patient not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay then so why does god determine people to be re to be perished if he wants everyone to come to repentance or if you want to criticize the open theist <laughs> if god is infinitely persuasive and intelligent yeah. why doesn't he just persuade everyone to respond <laughs> oh, nicole we can't get anywhere <laughs> uh, oh it's yeah i wow freedom <laughs> like if you go into a room and there's 20 doors and you're yep. free to choose any one but all of the doors are locked but one are you still free i just i just have this is a, a slight tangent how often do you think about this you very you strikes me as something that is really uh, I, taking away i have thought about this on a surface level for a long time okay. and it was only when i was preparing this podcast that i thought all right let's really dive in oh really and wrestle with some of these things and you wish and you never I had regret it <laughs> because you know there's all these things like mm. I like this idea that freedom like uh, so jared jared randy hopkins who's known as a poet but he wrote some thoughts on freedom like 
Um, if I put my wallet on the table, say, Nicole, you can help yourself to an, money from my wallet. Mm. Okay, that's one form of freedom. Mm -hmm. But if I try and stop you when you try and take my wallet, that's another form of freedom. Mm. If you because open my, you've got the free. Yeah, because like, okay, I am trying right, to stop yeah. you mm -hmm. exercising your freedom. If you open my wallet and there's only one note in there, it's... that is that. That's another form of freedom. That, yeah, like... that's another form of your choices are limited. So are you really free? Oh. And yeah, that's actually. I mean, that's is a tangent, but like that has huge implications because when we, you know, think about freedom, freedom of choice, of yeah. you know how we in multiple political aspects and stuff today like it's just all like Absolutely. And then, is that truly freedom and then we yeah add what this to is god freedom and then like is it and this is the question is we, we yeah we are we how do we understand not just how do we understand sovereignty how do we understand <laughs> providence how do we understand what it means to be free does god have a different understanding of freedom <laughs> I feel like you're like to you and i i'm, I'm <laughs> gonna see a mental breakdown i'm going like, off i'm on. going well, 1 Corinthians 10 13 no temptation has seized you except that which is common to man and God is faithful mm. you know if you're tempted he'll give you a way out of it yep yeah yep. but if you're determined to fail that if it's deterministic you fail the temptation because God determined it so how how does he give you he hasn't given you a way out of it because he's determined you oh, Nicole what are we gonna do I don't know what are we gonna... and I think maybe that's the question does yes let's do we let's need... bring this home do we need to know 100%? Yeah. Do we need to think about this? And is it the kind of thing you should go away, have a look at, and come at least be like, well, I know that I agree with that 70% and that 30%. Do we need to be really wrestling I, with yeah, this? Yeah, I, I think we can wrestle with it because it has an impact as we yep. think about, as we mentioned, and we'll think about prayer and suffering and others. It, mm. Our view of God impacts how we live day to day. Yeah. And our view of God's sovereignty influences our relationship with God. So I think it matters to think about these things. Mm -hmm. But as I said at the beginning, I think at the end, we have to hold on to things loosely. Mm -hmm. Like we have to have a degree of humility, say, well, I think I think I have genuine free will. I don't think, you know, you can take that position. Or you can say, I think God, um, you know, does directly cause bad things to happen if something bad happens to me that's from god and that's actually quite comforting mm, for me mm -hmm. you know you can take whatever position you want but i think you need to just say but in the end we're talking about the deep things of god and i psalm 131 that i'm trying to write a sermon on and really struggling with but you know, god determined that. It, yeah <laughs> my heart is not proud oh lord my eyes are not haughty I do not concern myself with great matters or things too wonderful for me. Those are kind of like the opening verses of that psalm. And that, that that position of, okay, you know what? This is a great matter. This is too wonderful for me. And I'm okay with not knowing the answers. Yeah. So I feel yes. like if you listen to this podcast, I'm really sorry. Because <laughs> I've probably just blown up your worldview and achieved nothing. But... Hopefully, we will be able to land somewhere a mm. bit constructive in yeah. the next couple. Okay. Just to say, um, yeah, I think we can't, we, we can't know. <laughs> I mean, that was brilliant. I was so, so interesting. And I think, yeah, what a great place to land. Don't be too stressed because yeah, actually we right. do not need... Don't panic if you yeah. don't know. <laughs> Take a breath. Because I don't think we will know. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much. I mean, I can't wait for the next couple. Um, thank you for listening. Hopefully you followed. Um, and yeah, do tune back in to hear the rest and hear about prayer and, and what was the other one? Suffering in, in light of this massive topic. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, hope you have a fantastic rest of the day and um, we look forward to seeing you in the next episode.